Hello and welcome to the Impact Your Fitness Podcast, a part of the Think Fit Be Fit Podcast Network. My name is Jennifer Schwartz and today I would like to talk to you about stretching muscles and when it can be effective. Particularly, I'm going to discuss the effects of stretching on pain, relaxation, and a possibility of how muscles actually gain length and strength. I'll be using work from the legendary scholar, Dr. David Baim, and share links on how to learn more from him. The last four episodes were dedicated to showing you another side to the global antidote for tight muscles, like how stretching or for flexibility and releasing tight muscles doesn't work for everyone or at all. And this anti-stretching series has created quite a buzz around the studio and in our email campaigns. And first of all, like just thank you so much for being interested in learning more about the body. And we love that people are interested in being engaged with their body in this way. That gives me so much energy to create more content and share the stories of how we operate here in our Virginia studio. The reality is that all of us have a unique structure and needs for functionality in our lives. We can't all use the same blanket advice for improving our bodies and meeting our needs. I think there is a lot of room for discussing the nuance of how to care for our bodies that doesn't require buying new equipment, hiring my team, or spending hours on the internet to research the newest fad. Which means that stretching for tightness is something that we can help people with, even though we've witnessed our clients gain mobility, flexibility, and strength in one session without the use of stretching a thousand times over. Let's dive in to how this is done. If you want to binge on our other content on why it might not work, of course, those episodes are available as well. Diving into the nervous system can give us an idea of how this desired flexibility effect can take place. There is a study in Dr. David Baim's book where there were two groups studied for mobility or range of motion changes. One group did 20 minutes of stretching. The other group did 20 minutes of mindfulness practices with no stretching. The group practicing mindfulness increased their range of motion more than the stretching group. And what this tells me is that tight, anxious bodies don't get more flexible. Modulating the nervous system can unlock us in so many ways. Measurable differences in mobility is one of them. There's a lot of content on this subject. I don't think it's talked about that it can increase range of motion. So often we see breath work as being really good for our brain and our mood and our confidence, but it doesn't talk about like physical and physiological effects on the body. So one more reason to have a mindfulness practice of breath work or journaling or both at the same time. And why this is true, the nervous system, when it's in parasympathetic, we can achieve a fluidity that will allow us to tap into our body's potential. The parasympathetic system is what some people call rest and digest. And I think 
there's so much to learn about our body and how we get feedback from it through breath work. And again, like I've talked about this many times on this podcast, even though this is only episode like 14. (laughs) Anyways, most people stretch to the point where they feel something tug, catch, or have a little bit of pain. When the body senses pain, it goes into the opposite of parasympathetic, which is sympathetic or flight and fight mode. And this sympathetic response is one thing, but we can change it and get the relaxation. So to get that relaxation effect or the parasympathetic to turn on the switch, (laughs) the relaxation comes from getting accustomed to the discomfort and understanding that you're not in a bad situation or a noxious situation. So that is what I would call a global response. The body tenses and relaxes as a whole. Achieving this state means we are activating this relaxation response by the brain and nervous system. The moments of movement or exercise where we are anxious, anticipating a result, or judging ourselves or maybe other people will not get us this relaxed state. Having a moment to think about your state of mind and your quality of movement is really key here. If you want more mobility, range of motion, flexibility, the nervous system will not allow it if you're in a state of high sympathetic or high alertness. There needs to be a place and a time and an intention for relaxation and welcoming a new state for your nervous system and your mind. And I really do rely on this information to help my clients. So just take a moment and highlight it or whatever the uh, podcast audio equivalent of that is. (laughs) Modulating the pain response can happen through different mechanisms. And that's what I mean when I'm talking about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. It's also a pain response. When the body feels that tug and knowing how to relax is so key. But it can also happen through meditation. Doesn't have to be just through stretching and feeling pain. It can be through the skin. That's why massages can help sometimes. That's why something like muscle activation techniques can help sometimes. The skin receptors are also going to respond to this. And then there's releasing endorphins where we can shock ourselves basically or scare ourselves or create more pain somewhere else to get a pain response. I kind of see this in TENS units with electrical stimulation, like the muscle, the hard muscle stimulation with some electrical stim devices, not the one I use, can basically release endorphins from the really high level of muscle contraction. So that's why isometrics can also be a part of your relaxation strategy. All of these allow for more range of motion through different body parts if you're able to modulate and control the pain response. 
And so using something like this is achieving global relaxation. And that's what was happening in that study I mentioned. It ultimately improves something called vagal tone, which is the key for helping your body thrive and heal. The flexibility of our nervous system to go back and forth between these different states of alertness, focus, and survival is also a huge benefit to this work. Personally, I use a device. You may have seen it on Netflix. Um, It was a recent documentary series on quarterbacks of the NFL. And Kirk Cousins is using a device from NeuroPeak Pro. You may have heard about them if you're a Think Fit, Be Fit fan. Just in case, I'm going to link both of our shows in the show notes. And this device is a breath work trainer. It's an HRV trainer. And if you check out their content in the podcast I linked, you'll see exactly what that's all about. Moving on to the second reason for how stretching works, why it works, and when it does it work. And I think a good way to sum the second reason up is there's a specific adaptation and goal in mind. The generic like global reset of the body is less... It's a good goal, it's worthy, but it's not as like a precise adaptation like this second reason. And that's for vascular reasons. Stretching can improve vascular stiffness, meaning it can create less friction for blood flow. This can improve blood flow on a micro level, which can assist in lessening the aging effects on the muscles. I love this because we have a specific adaptation associated with passive active stretching. This is not a generic goal of less tightness in your legs that many people justify their stretching with. So I've located a few papers on this matter because it's I think it's very interesting and you might find it interesting as well. One attached to the show notes is a review, micro, Microvascular Adaptions to Muscle Stretch, Findings from Animals and the Elderly, and, and this is a review from Frontiers that discusses how stretching, commonly used in physical therapy, sports medicine, and health promotion, affects microvascular reactivity and muscle blood flow. The article emphasizes that microcirculation in skeletal muscle declines with age, leading to limited capillary blood flow, and reduced exercise capacity. Another source that I have specifically looks at active assisted stretching. So, you know, that's available. Um, It's also quoted in the review that I just mentioned. The third way we can achieve the mobility we desire are from stretching practices that activate a stretch response and allow the muscle to load better or... Load more, rather, rather, or, and and that means like, it's be able to behave differently and therefore change its structural, its structure, its architecture, and this is really less lesser known in the world of stretching on the internet, and it's very effective and. Of course, I'm going to say that because this is what we do in our work here at Impact Your Fitness. We use tension in other parts of the body 
to lengthen and create a stimulation for the neuromuscular system to respond in a desirable way. This can be done through the skin, like I said before. It can be done through isometrics. It can be done through electrical impedance with the wonderful machine that I have here. And the goal is to create morphological and architectural changes over time. And this doesn't happen with two sessions. It happens with multiple sessions. But it can, it'll create the groundwork for more healing, more oxygen, and more blood flow immediately. The goal overall is to create those like larger scale changes over time, which is what most people think they're doing with a lot of passive stretching. And like I argued in four podcast episodes that I don't think that is, you know, a good use of your time when you can do things like a global neuro nervous system reset and then do the strength work, the isometric work, the breath work. I just think that's like much more worthy of our time than the a bunch of passive stretching. So this also on a very, very quick turnaround, short term, we can create more connection between the brain and the muscles, which is great for pre-workout. It's great anytime really. And it gives us an immediate improvement in the client's state of balance, muscle activity, and muscle activation. And we build on that. We grow more changes in the muscular system, in the tissue, so that people have a long-term benefit from all of this. And underneath the surface, inside the muscle, there's a lot of like sliding going on with proteins, collagen fibers, muscle fibers, and these proteins make up soft tissues and that all potentially work better together with this type of strategy. And I believe that the morphological changes to the muscle or the length that we desire comes from these proteins, the collagen, and the extracellular matrix all working and interacting in a fluid way. So, I, and again, like I don't think this is going to come from just passive stretching. They need to have this like really active coordination piece to it and real intention with the contraction of the muscle. So again, like very different, but it does help lengthen tissue. And this goes across like so many different types of people I've worked with to prof- from professional athletes to younger athletes, to people who have had muscle atrophy from inactivity. So it's a, it's been very reliable source of growth and really like a sustainable business model for us here because it works so well. And the goal is not to alleviate tight muscles in, and we're not eliciting a pain response. So just like I was saying before, with stretching, you can elicit a pain response and we try to stay away from that. And if we do, it's just more like intentional to help people figure out what's going on. So I also wanted to share more insights from David Bame on this matter. So someone who has been on the Fitness for Consumption podcast several times, and he's been cited over 21,000 times in neurophysiology literature. His 2018 book is called The Science of Physiology of Flexibility and Stretching. 
And what he says is that science is always trying to build on what we know. In the 90s, that was the first time he had the notion that stretching was deleterious to performance. And he's kind of come full circle. Like he's got his whole theories and everything has changed over the decades. And it's all in this book, which is 2018. And so he even has updates to that. Research over the years has looked at like protocols that have had people stretching for over 10 minutes at a time. They have, there's like mixed results on that with stretching, but he thinks that will impair performance and he thinks it's not lifelike. He thinks that a lot of people aren't going to do this in real life anyways. But on the other hand, stretching for less than 60 seconds basically doesn't do a whole lot by itself. So it really comes down to like all these little things in a warm-up activity and they add up. But most importantly is the intent is what matters the most. His recently published meta-analysis found that when you stretch one side of the body, other areas will increase range of motion. For example, when you stretch your left hamstring, the right one will also see changes like an increased range of motion. And this happens, this was like repeatable in the shoulders, in the adductors, and from upper extremity to lower extremity and vice versa. So this means there's just very little evidence of like, long-term morphological changes in a muscle or tendon. And there's a lot of evidence for seeing a global effect, including a higher stretch tolerance, which is a whole other subject, basically. So having a high tolerance for stretching isn't necessarily a good thing. There are consequences to that, but it's also why we see gymnasts are able to, you know, really increase their length. They have a high stretch tolerance, but if you're like me in sports medicine, you know that, you know, dancers and gymnasts are have some of the most unhealthy joints, <laughs> even though they don't look, you know, like unhealthy people. So anyways, that was so great for me to review and bring forward all this information is to help you be more aware of what you're doing with your exercise and what you're putting into your body. I really believe exercise can be invasive to meaning like it goes inside your body. It changes processes inside your body. So congrats to you for wanting to know what that is, what's going into your body as far as how exercise has an effect on you. And so thank you for being this vibrant fitness enthusiast along with me and a part of the Think Fit, Be Fit network. The Impact Your Fitness podcast is a free subscription. Check out the show notes to learn more about all the resources for this episode. My newsletter, my courses, and the studio in Alexandria, Virginia are all in there. Thank you again and have a great week of workouts. Until our next episode, remember, morphological and structural changes in the muscle are not always achieved by stretching, but what is readily available to us are global changes to the nervous system with relaxation and pain response changes. The neural and psychological changes results of, of stretching are the most reliable sources of change and hopefully creating more happy and fruitful fitness sessions in our lives. Thank you so much for being here and I look forward to
to hearing what you learned from this episode. 